following is a teaching message from Shaw Community Church. For more information on Shaw or our teaching resources, visit www.shaw.org.nz. We're carrying on our series this morning in the book of Acts. And today we come to the story of Stephen in Acts chapter 6 through 8. You might have heard last week that uh, Ravi Zacharias passed away. Uh, Ravi was a prominent Christian apologist, a defender of the faith. Uh, and he traveled widely and, and he wrote very broadly defending the Christian faith against skeptics and, and cynics and critics of Christianity. He, he wrote and spoke about the moral and philosophical foundations of the Christian faith, and he would debate against prominent atheists. Uh, and it was a great defender of the Christian faith in his generation. And sadly, he passed away last week after a short battle with cancer. And I think there's a certain appropriateness to the fact that this morning we're looking at the story of Stephen, uh, because Stephen was really the first Christian apologist. He was the first major defender of the Christian faith, uh, the first one to, to really, in a, in a public setting, argue for the coherence and the reasonableness of the Christian faith in front of those who were skeptical and, and cynical of the Christian faith. And uh, even though he wouldn't have realized it, Stephen began this long tradition of Christian apologetics, which has continued down through the centuries and has given us now people like Ravi Zacharias. Uh, so there's a timeliness to the fact that we're looking at the story of Stephen this morning in view of Ravi's passing away. So Stephen was a member of the early church. He was a Jewish man, uh, and he had a real gift for engaging people around the Christian faith, the claims of Jesus, uh, arguing for the logic of the Christian faith. And uh, the Bible says he, he was filled with such wisdom and filled with the Spirit of God and filled with power that people couldn't argue against him. They couldn't withstand the force of of his arguments. He was a very effective evangelist and apologist in the early church. Uh, but this didn't go down too well with the religious leaders, the Jewish religious leaders at the time. And they got a hold of Stephen and they dragged him into, into court and filed proceedings against him so that he found himself in front of the Sanhedrin, which, is, which was the ruling Jewish court of the day. Uh, the same court, by the way, that Jesus was tried in front of uh, in, his, in his final day. And so Stephen's there in front of the Sanhedrin and the, the, the high priest, the chief priest, gives him the opportunity to make a defense of his faith, which of course he jumps at. He jumps at the opportunity to talk about his faith. And he gives this speech, which stretches right through chapter 7 of the book of Acts. It's the longest speech in Acts. And through that speech, in, in a lot of it, Stephen is showing how the Christian faith stands in historical continuity with the Jewish faith. Uh, and he's really going over a lot of the history of Israel to show that Jesus and, and the Christian movement is really the fulfillment uh, of what the, the story of Israel was, was all about. But as he gets towards the end of that speech, he becomes very direct uh, with those that were accusing him. And he says, you stiff-necked people, uh, you killed the prophets who had come before, and, and now you've killed the righteous one. And he really lays the blame for the death of Jesus. Uh, right there at the feet of these of these leaders. And so with that, all decorum in this courtroom just goes out the window. And this just becomes a hostile, angry mob directed against Stephen. There's no verdict pronounced against him by this court. As, as you read what happens here, there's no formal verdict. 
it just becomes mob rule and these people rush at Stephen, they take hold of him, they, they drag him, they, they grab him and take him outside and they begin killing him. They begin putting him to death. And as Stephen is there in his final moments, he prays a prayer that, that's very similar to the prayer of Jesus. There's a lot of connections between the death of Jesus and the death of Stephen. And, and Jesus, uh, Stephen looks to heaven and prays, Lord, receive my spirit. And with that, he dies. And so Stephen becomes not only the first Christian apologist, he also becomes the first Christian martyr, the first person to give his life for the cause of Christ. As you reflect on that story, uh, there's a lot I think that we can be thankful for in the first instance, that, that we live in a country where we don't face the same kind of religious violent persecution for our faith today, because there's plenty of Christians around the world that do. There's plenty of Christians today that face violent opposition because of their faith. People that face imprisonment or being beaten or, or even killed because of their faith in Jesus. So we can be thankful that we live in a country where that doesn't happen. We have a relative degree of religious freedom in New Zealand. But even though our context is very different, uh, our setting is, is very different from, from that of Stephen, we are still called to the work that Stephen was called to do. We're all still called to be apologists. If you're a Christian, you're called to be an apologist. Uh, that doesn't mean you go around apologizing for your, for your faith. Uh, the word apologists or apologetics, it comes from a Greek word in the Bible, and it simply means to give a defense or to give an answer, to give a reason for, for the hope that we have, is the way that First Peter puts it. And so each of us are responsible for being an apologist in some way. We, we're not gonna, we may not be Ravi Zacharias, and we're not going to be Stephen. We may not be this kind of professional apologist, but we're all called to the work of apologetics. We're all called to defend our faith against those who may be critical or skeptical or just ambivalent about the claims of the gospel. We, we are called to speak about our faith uh, to those who don't know what it is to have a relationship with Jesus. We're called to engage the world with a biblical worldview and with the claims of the Christian faith. And even though that, that's not easy a lot of the time to do, and, and that's not a comfortable thing for many of us to do, we can learn a lot from Stephen. He's got a lot to show us as, as the first original Christian apologetics uh, of what apologetics looks like and uh, how we can go about this task, the encouragement that we can gain as we do that, and the next steps that we can take in this work of apologetics, even in our modern Western context. So the first thing that we learn, I think, about Stephen, the, the thing that stands out is the character of this man. And, and you, you look at who he was, the way that he's described back in chapter 6, verse 8, is he was a man full of God's grace, that God's grace was upon him. And, and that, it doesn't just mean that he was saved by grace, he was, but also that he had a gracious disposition. He had a gracious manner about who he was, that when he engaged with people and he was talking to people in the temple courts or wherever it was, he, he spoke to them in a way that was kind, in a way that was respectful, in a way that wasn't condescending or patronizing, but in a way that was full of, full of grace. And he endeared himself to people because of that. And there's a reminder here, I think, to us about not just what we say, but the way in which we communicate. Uh, Francis Schaeffer, who was another one of the great apologists of the 20th century, once said, love is the final apologetic. By which he meant, after, after we've done talking, after all our words are said, after all of our arguments are laid out, ultimately, 
the thing that will, will draw people to what we are saying is our heart of love, who we are, our character, our conduct, whether we're ultimately living out the gospel that we're proclaiming. Because people don't just want to hear information from us. They don't, they don't just want to hear a, a message or a presentation. They want to see this. They want to see this lived out. And if we're not willing to back up our message with the way in which we're living out a life of love, uh, people are not going to be drawn to Christ and, and they're not going to be drawn to the gospel. We need to think about love being part of the work of apologetics that we're called to, communicating and engaging with people in a gracious and a respectful way. But at the same time, Stephen was also able to have a lot of truth about him. And he was a man who was not afraid to speak the truth. I mean, you think of the fact that in this speech in Acts chapter 7, he turns to his accusers and he calls them stiff-necked people. I mean, that that's that's pretty harsh. I wouldn't recommend that you go out and call your neighbors stiff-necked people. That's probably not going to help. But he was able to be direct, even though he was full of grace. He was somehow able to hold these two things together. He could be gracious, but he could also be truthful. And it's okay to boldly and straightforwardly set out the claims of the Christian faith, and especially to correct misinformation that's out there. Uh, if people say, well, you know, all religions are basically the same, aren't they? It's okay to, to put the record straight. It's okay to say, actually, no, they're not. Uh, Christ Christianity is utterly unique in that we believe in a God who has come down to us to rescue us and lift us up. There is no other religion that believes that. Uh, when people say, well, the Bible and the Quran are basically the same thing, aren't they? I heard someone say this not too long ago. It's okay to say, actually, no, they're not. These are two very different books, and to suggest that they are the same book kind of does a disservice to both religions. When people propagate just misinformation about the Christian faith, inaccurate statements, it's okay to correct that lovingly and graciously, but it's okay and it's necessary to be truthful, to be straightforward. And Stephen was able to hold both of these things together, to be gracious, but also to speak truthfully. And there's a great challenge for us in that. I think of a guy in our church who uh, does apologetics online, and he's engaged in these various forums where he's, he's talking to atheists and, and skeptics of the Christian faith on a whole range of different issues. And he's a guy that always strikes me as being able to hold that balance. He's straightforward with what he believes, and he, he, he makes no apologies for it, and he talks openly about his faith and, and presents a great defense of the Christian faith. But at the same time, always does it lovingly, always does it respectfully, always does it with, with a good heart and, and with a genuine respect and a willingness to listen to and engage lovingly with those that he's that he's speaking to. He, he holds those things together. And there's a reminder for us in this, I think, that whether it's on social media, whether it's online, whether it's face-to-face, -face, that we need to hold grace and truth together in the way that we talk to others, truthfully presenting the claims of Christ, but doing that in a gracious manner. Now, as we do this, and we start to engage with people around issues of faith and God and so on, there's going to be times when we face opposition. And this is just the reality. You know, this shouldn't surprise us that this, that this happens. It shouldn't take us off guard. We live in a world, and, and even in a country, even in New Zealand, though we don't face violent persecution, we still have a, a, a nation that is extremely secular. And, and that type of secularism, even though people are very polite and generally very accommodating, a very secular context tends to be very antagonistic towards the Christian faith. And, and you find that. There is a latent hostility 
towards Christianity, even in New Zealand. There's a, there's a sort of an antagonism, and Christianity is often held up to ridicule. It's marginalized. The Christian voice tends to be pushed away and, and silenced. And there is generally a sense of, of hostility or opposition to the Christian faith. That's the context in which we're, we're seeking to engage people. And it means, at times, that as we speak up about what we believe, as we have that boldness to speak out to, to friends or to neighbors, or colleagues, or whoever it is, there's going to be times we get that pushback. There's going to be times people don't, don't like what we've got to say, and there'll be sometimes social isolation that might happen because of that. Sometimes you might find people talk behind your back. Maybe you say something to someone at school about your faith, and then you find people that maybe talking or having a laugh behind your back about it. Sometimes that happens. You can be socially ostracized. Sometimes you might even lose a friendship because of your faith, if people are just not able to accept uh, what you're saying. These are the kinds of things that we may have to deal with in our context, but it's worth keeping in mind when these sorts of things happen to us. Just think about Stephen. Just think about this guy who, who was killed because of his Christian faith. And it would have been easy for him to just shrink back and not say anything. And when he was put on trial, just go with the flow and, and, and say what others wanted to hear, but he didn't. He spoke up. He was bold. He was courageous in his Christian faith, and he was killed for it. And when we face maybe a little bit of social awkwardness because of engaging with other people, or we face a little bit of alienation from other people because of what we have to share, it's a good, a good idea to think back to Stephen and who he was and the sufferings that he endured for the cause of Christ. And we're probably never going to be called to suffer to the extreme extent that he did. But it's worth asking yourself the question, am I really willing to face opposition for my faith? Am I willing to suffer? If God called me into a situation where I had to suffer for my faith, would I be willing to suffer for it? Would I be willing to die for what I believe in? Stephen was. Many Christians throughout history have been. Would you and I be willing to die for our faith? Even though that's a pretty difficult question to consider and a pretty sobering question, and we're never going to be called probably to that extent of, of suffering and antagonism, there's tremendous encouragement, I think, for us in the story of Stephen as to who is advocating for us when we go into these situations of talking to others about our faith. You think about that vision that Stephen has. Not long before he was killed, as this trial is, is ending and wrapping up, Stephen looks up to heaven. And in chapter 7, it says in verse 55, But Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit, looked up to heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. Look, he said, I see heaven open and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. So Stephen has this incredible vision, which is a vision of Jesus. It's a, it's a vision of Jesus standing there at the right hand of the Father. And those words are based on the words of Jesus himself, who uh, when he was on trial, he said, you will see the Son of Man seated at, at the right hand of heaven. And it's interesting that when Jesus talks about that vision, when Jesus talks about himself, he describes himself as being seated. You will see the Son of Man seated. But when Stephen sees this vision of Jesus, Jesus is standing in that vision. And the difference, I think, is quite significant. Most commentators believe that the reason that Stephen sees Jesus standing there is because in a court of law, which is where Stephen was, he was in a courtroom, 
And in a courtroom in the first century, the person who would stand would be a witness. If you were a witness in a court case, you would stand to give evidence. That's different to how it is in our modern courtrooms, where the witness sits down. But in these days, witnesses would stand in order to testify. And here is Stephen, who sees Jesus standing to testify before the Father on his behalf. And it reminds you of those words that Jesus himself said when he said, Whoever acknowledges me before others, I will acknowledge them before my Father in heaven. And that's an amazing thing to think that's what Stephen was experiencing in that moment. As Stephen was acknowledging Jesus before people, there's Jesus in heaven standing as a witness before the Father, advocating for Stephen and testifying before the Father to how faithful Stephen is being and, and drawing from the Father fresh strength and, and fresh power to pour into Stephen's life to enable him to continue being bold and remaining faithful right to the end. This is an amazing thought, I think, that, that as we are willing to, to witness to Christ on earth before other people, we've got the assurance of knowing that Jesus is witnessing before the Father about us in heaven. And as we have that, that, that boldness to share our faith with others, we can know that in that moment, Jesus is saying to the Father, look, look at my, my brother here, look at my sister here. She's being so faithful and, and she's, she's being bold and, and sharing her faith. And, and Father, I ask that you'd continue to strengthen her and continue to pour into her life the power that she needs and the wisdom that she needs to be able to continue speaking to this person about me. You've got that advocate in heaven that, that in those moments, it might feel like, Nobody else is with you. It might feel like you're so isolated, but you're never alone. You're never on your own. In that moment, you have the Son of Man, you have Jesus himself standing there in heaven, testifying, advocating for you before the Father and pouring into your life through the Holy Spirit all the power and the strength and the boldness you need. I think that's a great encouragement for us as we go about this task of, of witnessing, of engaging with other people around our faith. Jesus is always advocating for us. And the final thing that I find encouraging in this story is thinking about the results of Stephen's apologetics. I mean, you, you look at the immediate circumstances that followed all of this, I mean, Stephen is killed. It doesn't end well. This is, a, this is a tragic story. And you could look at that and say, well, this just looks like failure. I mean, nobody believed that day what Stephen was saying. Nobody's converted. It seemed to just end in hostility. And it did. But you look at what happened down the track. The Bible says that on that day that Stephen was killed, a great persecution broke out against the church. This was a, a massive wave of persecution that spread across the, across the church. And believers were scattered. Uh, believers, Christians, left Jerusalem for fear of their lives. But as they went and as they dispersed beyond Israel, they took the gospel with them. And it says in verse 4, chapter 8, they preached the word wherever they went. So these believers spread out and they, they started preaching to others. And people outside of Jerusalem and Israel began becoming Christians. We'll look at one of these stories next week. And so through Stephen's death, the gospel begins to spread. And, and Stephen's death is a catalyst for the gospel moving out beyond the Jewish homeland into other nations of the world. And you think about one particular person who was there that day, who was watching over Stephen's death, Stephen's execution. His name was Saul. And he's, he's mentioned there. And we'll look more at 
his story in, in a few weeks' time. But you think of the way that Stephen prays at the end there. He prays, Father, do not hold this sin against them. Very similar, isn't it, to the prayer that Jesus prayed uh, in his final moments. And you think one of those people that Stephen was praying for, that God wouldn't hold this against them, was Saul, standing right there. And I, God answered that prayer in Saul's life, who was also called Paul, by dramatically converting him on the Damascus Road, turning his life around and making him an apostle to the Gentiles. Became the greatest missionary in history. And so, as St. Augustine said, the church owes Paul to the prayer of Stephen. Stephen prayed this incredible prayer, and God worked through that and saved Paul, and the rest is history. You never know what God's going to do. You never know how God's going to work. Situations that might seem to us like abject failure can be used by God in amazing ways for the furtherance of his kingdom. It reminds me of the story of Jim Elliot. Uh, several decades ago now, he, he was a missionary and went to a remote Indian tribe to reach these people in Ecuador. And he prepared well for the trip, but very early in that missionary venture, as he went to engage with this tribe, he was killed by the very tribe's people that he came to evangelize. And it looked to the world, especially to the church, like total failure, an absolute tragedy, and it was. And yet his wife Elizabeth went back years later to that same tribe, that same place where her husband had been killed and was able to share the good news with them. And many, many people from that tribe ended up becoming Christians. And, and many others around the world, many Christians around the world were inspired to become missionaries through the sacrificial work of Jim Elliot. And he never would have seen, he didn't see any of those results in his own lifetime. Never would have imagined that this is how the story would go. But God used a situation that seemed like failure, seemed like tragedy, to work and move and bring about the furtherance of his kingdom. We just never know how God's going to work. You may be in situations where you, you have a conversation with someone and it seems like it just the words just fall on deaf ears. It seems like nothing happens. You just come away feeling like failure. Don't be discouraged. Don't give up. Because God is at work. Anytime God's word is spoken, anytime we, we stand up for our faith, anytime we speak out, God uses that. That's one link in the chain. And who's to say in that person's life, many, many, many other links in the chain later, way down the line, there could be someone else who speaks another word and that final link in the chain is the link that brings that person to a place of trusting their life to Jesus. You may be just the very early link in the chain, but every single link is vital. You may never see the results. You may never see the fruit of it. But be encouraged. God's always working. God's always moving. It might be generations later that that fruit is finally born from the, the efforts that you make now. But don't be discouraged. Don't give up. God is working. God is faithful. God is with you. And God is furthering his kingdom, sometimes in ways that we simply cannot see. So I hope that the story of Stephen can be an encouragement to you. I hope that you can see in this story that every one of us is called to this work of apologetics. I hope that today you can see yourself as an apologist for the Christian faith in some sense, that you can, you can take on that calling. And, and you might never have been to an apologetics conference or read an apologetics book in your life. And while all of those things are really valuable, 
It doesn't take away from the fact that still the calling you have and it comes down to everyday conversations and interactions with others in your life. I pray that Stephen's story and legacy can be an encouragement to you, that it can be something God uses to, to give you boldness and to give you confidence when those moments come along. And I pray that it could be an inspiration to you, not just in terms of what you share, but in the life that you live and allowing love to be the apologetic that ultimately your life shows to the world. And I'm conscious too that you could be watching this message today, listening to this, and, and you may not have a living faith in Jesus. And in some ways this might seem weird today because we're talking about reaching out to others and, and you might be one of those who doesn't have that faith in Christ. But I think it's great that you're watching this message and I just want to encourage you to keep searching. I encourage you to keep going on this journey, keep asking the questions, keep seeking, keep looking, keep reading, keep tuning into these messages, keep talking to Christians that you know and, and ask them questions and, and probe these things for yourself. Keep searching and eventually you will find the God that you're looking for and you will find that, that the deepest needs and longings of your humanity, need for purpose, the longing for meaning and direction and identity in life can ultimately be met only in and through a relationship with Jesus. And if you want to talk more about that or have someone contact you about that, we'd love to talk with you about that. One of our pastors would love to contact you and, and you're welcome to contact our church office. The details are on the bottom of the screen and someone will be in touch with you. As we finish this morning, let's pray together. Lord God, we thank you for Stephen. Thank you for his life. Thank you for his faithfulness. We thank you, God, that there have been faithful men and women like Stephen down through history, people who have taken bold steps and stood up in the face of great opposition and spoken up for you and stood firm upon your truth and paid an enormous price for it. And we thank you, Lord. We, we stand on the shoulders of many faithful men and women who have gone before us. And I pray, God, that in our generation, you would give us the boldness of Stephen, that you would give us the wisdom of Stephen as, as we engage with others and sometimes struggle to know the words to say and, and the arguments to form. Give us the courage from your Holy Spirit that Stephen had to be able to speak your words. Lord, give us the love of Stephen, that compassionate heart for others, that we would be gracious, that we would be full of the grace of God just as Stephen was. And God, give us that ability in times when it's hard, in times we may be discouraged, Lord, give us the encouragement from you to know that you are there with us, just as you said that you would be, and that, Jesus, you are advocating for us before the Father. May that encourage our hearts in the moments when we may tend to be discouraged. Lord, we want to be men and women of your truth, and we want to be people who are willing to talk with others about this incredible faith that you've given us. So send us out of here, we pray, with great boldness today, and give us the courage to share with others the riches of grace that we've received we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. This has been a teaching message from Shaw Community Church. For more of our teaching resources, or to donate to our teaching resource ministry, or for more information on Shaw Community Church, visit www.shaw.org.nz. Alternatively, you can email office at shaw.org.nz or phone 09 415-0455 Thank you for listening.